I was the girl in scrubs at Cedar sinai <laughs> talking to an oncologist. I would walk across the street to the coffee bean, change huh. into a blazer and jeans, no. meet someone like for an hour at my lunch, change in that bathroom and walk back across the street. You're an inspiration. So, I Seriously. mean, it's like you have to want it. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. The topic of food, health, and wellness is uh, definitely a favorite of mine. And today's guest, Kelly Levesque, is a pro at that. She's a holistic nutritionist and a celebrity health coach. Her clients are, oh, you know, people like Jessica Alba, Jennifer Garner, Emmy Rossum, you know, these very beautiful, healthy, perfect-looking people. Well, she tells them what to eat and how to take care of themselves um, from the inside out. That makes them look good on the outside, too. She's amazing woman. She's, she's super positive. And I think that's what you'll come to in the end is realizing just how her positivity has really carried her through her life. And really she's walked her own path and filled a void in the, in the field of being a nutritionalist, um, and writing books about it that wasn't there before, um, because she's, she's really just walked her own path and not been distracted by comparing to other people and what she should and shouldn't do and what works and hasn't worked for other people. She's just doing her own thing. She, she actually started out in the medical field and then being a nutritionalist to people and helping them was something she did as a side hustle. I mean, she was working through her lunch breaks on the weekends and eventually it just got to the point where she could do it as a full-time job. So let this be an inspiration to all of you out there that you can have a side hustle while you're doing your real job and eventually make it your full-time job. Um, so please enjoy this show from this very inspirational woman. I love health and fitness and wellness and food and all that stuff. And it really seems like you have too. Like looking at, you know, what you went to school for, the jobs you've had, it's all in that same vein. So do you remember maybe your first, maybe you didn't even identify with it then, but can you look back now and go, oh yeah, of course, because I've always been into wellness. I mean, I can go all the way back to freshman year of high school. I remember loving health. It was my first science course. I remember acing every test and easily remembering what was in the book. And But the weird part was, is when I was in high school and then applying to college, becoming a registered dietitian and becoming a doctor really wasn't top of mind for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the oldest of three girls and mm -hmm. I really wanted to make my dad proud and he was a business fi finance guy. So I sort of really just was impressionable and wanted to make him proud. I'm like 27 relatives that went to USC, so I had my eyes set on USC and to be a mm -hmm. Trojan, but it was then again my like junior year going into my senior year at SC, and I took all of my science courses that senior year, called my dad in tears. I was like, what am I doing? Um, Nature of Human Health and Disease was the best grade I ever got in a college class, and I was like, I should be an MD, I should be a registered dietitian, I should go back for kinesiology, this has all been a waste, finance, statistics, it's like, what am I doing? Why didn't you do that? Um, so at the time, my dad, being an entrepreneur, 
um, was willing to support each of myself and my sisters through college, which was such a blessing to not have student loans. Um, but we knew the day we graduated, we were cut off. So going into my senior year, he's like, well, if you want to take on some debt and go back to school for another year and a half at USC or extend Mm -hmm. your stay, you're more than welcome to do that. But you could always look into how could you have a career in the space, talk about biology, talk about nutrition, talk about health Mm -hmm. without being an MD. And so I ended up um, getting, you know, going down the path and getting a concentration in nature of human health and disease. And I worked for pharmaceutical company right out of school, Johnson and Johnson. You've probably heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's my first job. It was like love and other drugs. It was, if you ever was saw it that really? movie, I did. Ugh. Is that what it's like? It's like pushing, you're, pushing. you're a glorified caterer. Really? Yeah. But the, I mean, the interesting part of the job was being able to read studies and relay that information to doctors and try to help them understand how the drug was going to affect their patient. What kind of drugs were you, what um, kind of drugs are you pushing? So selling? I sold a proton pump inhibitor, which is called Asifex. It basically is like a Nexium or Prilosec. It shuts down proton pumps, which are these little pumps in your stomach that give off acid, right? So it's up for acid reflux. Uh-huh. And I sold levofloxacin, which is a really intense antibiotic. Mm-hmm. And knowing what I know now and knowing what I knew at the time, it was like it, it was like angel and a devil on your shoulder. Like mm-hmm. I knew taking an antibiotic was blowing out and obliterating gut microbiomes and that you know, but at the same time, it's killing these bacterial infections that yeah. put people in the hospital and can be life-threatening. But people use antibiotics so frivolously. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, popping them like Skittles. Oh, you don't feel so great. Here's a pack. Here's this. How um, many, I mean, like how many days a year can you use an antibiotic and be like, you know what? I wouldn't worry about that. I would say once a year would be my max out for a my, week or but, two. Yeah, but like the goal would be to not ever have to right. to take an antibiotic. And a lot of times people are being treated with antibiotics when it's a viral infection, which means that you're, you know, obliterating your gut microbiome mm. and this is amazing ecosystem in your body that produces short chain fatty acids for brain health. And you know, I like to say that, you know, it keeps your digestion going, but it's, you know, the dry weight of your stool is so much dead bacteria too. And yeah. I mean, genetic pathways and all kinds of things are affected by these short chain fats that are produced by your bacteria. So if you're getting rid of all this bacteria, you're getting rid of that layer that protects you from the outside world mm. and you're affecting your immune system for the future. So the goal would always be to take yeah. care of yourself and yeah. try to just do what grandma used to do. Chicken yeah. soup, yeah. sleep, vitamin whiskey C. Whiskey and your tea and Yeah, night. whatever oh. it takes. Hot, hot whiskey and lemon or hot, yeah. hot honey have or hot something. To- have a hot toddy. Yeah. yeah, no. You probably know about that from the South, hot yeah. toddies. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, you know, I didn't last very long in that job. I moved into um, a cancer role um, Mm -hmm. in actually devices. It was a radiation device uh, that was implanted. So it was instead of being radiating the whole body for breast cancer, we were radiating a very small area. Um, But the goal with that was to move into a role where I could work in cancer and then eventually move into genetics 
So I had this really long career, um, you know, six of the eight years that I was working in the medical field, I was in cancer and genetics, mm -hmm. which I really loved. And that I was going to say, does it, did it feel fulfilling? Because it does kind of fill that, you know, MD side of you? The nerd in me loved it. Mm -hmm. Like getting into the studies and seeing um, stuff coming. So the last company that I worked for was through the Nether. It was a subsidiary of the Netherlands Cancer Institute, the Netherlands Cancer Institute. And... Um, and what was so cool was in the Netherlands, they have all of these solid state tumors and they've never been treated. So they weren't treated with chemotherapy before they were removed from the body. So what they were able to do is run the genome oh. of these tumors. And then you can find out, well, what are the feeding pathways of these tumors and what genes are basically turned up or turned down. And so that was really fun because when you go to talk to an oncologist and I had the eight West Coast states and the very at the very end before I moved into my own practice, um, they wanted to know what I had to say. They wanted to know the information. Sure. They wanted to know how it was applicable with their patients, which it was changing the game. What it used to do is just take a bunch of chemotherapy and throw it at someone, cross their fingers, and hope it, you know, it was toxic enough to kill everything. And now... Kind of like antibiotics, just it's killing everything, just not you. Yeah. <laughs> antibiotics are killing the bacteria, but with cancer, right? Like they basically get to the point of killing everything but you. Exactly. And they're really breaking down your body and there are so many side effects to all of it. And so the cool part with it was understanding that like one specific chemotherapy agent was going to be really efficacious because of its genetic make, you know, your tumor's genetic makeup. Instead of throwing the kitchen sink, they were really targeted and it was personalized medicine based on genetics and that is you know that just that's kept so me fascinating so I'm, I'm very into like I mean I've had my blood tested a couple of times for food intolerances you know those food sensitivity yeah. tests they're more common now but the first time I did it was like 2013 I think the beginning yeah. of 13 so they weren't really popular then you actually had to seek out like a doctor that did them and sent the tests off now you can they get, go straight to the lab. Um, but I love that stuff. And so is there, I mean, there's probably so much that you can find out about somebody through lab work. and Absolutely. I mean, like nowadays in my own practice, so I transitioned, I sort of moonlit this nutrition um, business, my Be Well by yeah, Kelly. Yeah, tell me about initially, like how, so it started off, I mean, like you called it your side hustle, which is totally it's true. I had totally. so many side hustles when I was still working. <laughs> Um, so what was, what that looked like for you initially? Like what was the part, what was the thing you were dabbling in that you didn't think anything about necessarily? Well, so every single time I went into PubMed research for my cancer and genetics job, I would find myself kind of, um, you know, down a rabbit hole about lipid metabolism or mm -hmm. insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome or, you know, Crohn's disease. Yeah, I disease. go down those rabbit holes all the time. Of course, <laughs> lipid resistance, that's the one. Yeah, no. You know, I just, the, these kind of, th th those facets of health were really interesting to me. And yeah. it wasn't that I had to read, um, which I love well and good and Mind Body Green and those, um, you know, health websites that give a lot of information. I, I write articles for them. I have courses with them. But for me, going into the research was really, really fun. And then I was just that annoying girl at parties who was like, oh, tell me about, you know, your bowel movements and your oh skin and like, 
I, I would geek out. Like if you told me that you had food intolerances or I would want to know what test you took mm -hmm. and what you were intolerant to and how it made you feel when you cut it out. How did you feel? Mm -hmm. And so do my, you want to know? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have to go into no. it, but I'm happy to talk about it because I love that stuff. But, but so that was what you, so you started, so I you, started just you were doing like side, side, like you were just kind of being distracted a little bit by, or totally. no, you weren't distracted. You were just learning even more. Yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was marinating in the information. Yeah. I was really excited by it. And my one of my best friends, I had sort of pushed her out to start her own business in events because she had really worked on these amazing events here in L.A., like yeah. L Women in Hollywood, mm -hmm. Us Weekly Parties, like all this really cool stuff. I'm like, you are the vision. Like, why don't you just go out and do it on your own? Push her, push her, push her. And she did it. And then she turned the tables on me and was like, <laughs> so you need to stop talking to people at parties about their health and just go help people. Um, so I started, I went back to school and then, um, for nutrition, I started it as a side hustle. I started sharing on Instagram. Knowing that you were going to transition or did you go back to school for your side hustle just because you were that curious and you wanted that information or were you preparing for the transition? I was preparing for the transition. Yeah. I, by the time I finally did it, so I had, had a, looked, you had your job going on mm -hmm. and you were doing this other stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for people to know because there are so many people that when you tell them like, oh, I can't do that. I have a job. It's like, mm-hmm. And whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. So if you say, I can't, I can't, I can't, that is your reality. And you just didn't let that be your reality. You were like, oh, look, I'm working. I'm doing this job. It's like super, very difficult and intellectual and scientific and it stimulates me somewhat. But <laughs> this other thing that I really want to do. And so you just filled your plate up a little full, more full. But you, yeah. you, you got to still make, take steps to move forward. And while it wasn't your full-time job and you weren't doing you know, consultations and actually helping people one-on-one -on -one and writing books and all the things that you've done now, you, you were starting the process. I think it's important for people to understand you can start a process until you feel confident enough that it's something that it's still going to be a leap. Of course, it's going to be a leap. Sure. But you're, you're going to at least have some kind of foundation. And it's funny that you say that because I side hustled Be Well by Kelly for three years. Really? And I went to school for a year, a little over a year, and I started seeing clients. And I saw clients for almost two full, full years. What? On, at nights, um, at lunch breaks, on weekends. Like, I was the girl in scrubs at Cedar sinai huh. talking to an oncologist. I would walk across the street to the coffee bean, change huh. into a blazer and jeans, no. meet someone like, for an hour at my lunch, change in that bathroom and walk back across the street. You're an inspiration. So, I Seriously. mean, it's like you have to want it. You have if to. You want, if a side hustle needs to, you need to want that to become your main hustle. Mm -hmm. And I think looking back, I could have probably left my um, cancer and genetics job maybe a year prior. Um, but, you know, I jumped off a curb instead of a cliff. Yeah. And I knew that my phone was ringing at the time. Yeah. And when the time came to really leave that job, um, you know, I was giving up a lot of stability, a 401k, sure. a company car, insurance, like a all salary, yeah. insurance. And you, I would have to hire and fire too. being at your job yeah. probably too much. Yeah. So it had to work. And I had I was so hungry when that time happened. So it was only a couple months before I was flying to New York and pitching literary agents because I was like, I need to get this information out there. Wow. This needs to be something that is 
sustainable. I can't, I can't, you can't go from being a salaried employee and managing people and taking care of like a big part of the United States for your role to being an hourly employee. Right. You need something you, else. You need, you need to diversify yeah. to have stability. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I wanted to help more people and I, I needed that. Bigger, bigger reach. Yeah. And I actually just listened to a podcast the other day. I think it was Bob Proctor with Lewis House, who we just saw on the way out. Yeah. Um, and um, he was saying that wealthy people don't have one source of income. No. And actually, my the dean at USC told us that most millionaires in LA have over five sources of income at any given time. And that could be under one business or umbrella, but you always should be looking to diversify yeah. and have like passive forms of income, whether that's an investment property, product, speaking engagements, one-on-one with your clients. And so I start to think about like, how can I really elevate my brand and help people at the same time in different segments of the market? So a book came to you right away. Well, yeah. I guess the, ge- the, 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 the nerd or the geek that you call yourself, I don't call you that. Um, <laughs> I'm proud of that. It's that okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, yeah. that's, that's like deep intellectual topics that um, help a lot of people. Um, so a book came to mind right away then. Oh, well, I had read so many books right. over the years. What's and- been your favorite health book? Oh, it like it really changes based on the year, but I think um, grain- easy reader. Let's think about an easy reader for me. Uh, I really do think Grain Brain by Dr. Perlmutter for a scientific book is a great look at how um, how gluten affects the body and the brain and um, redirects blood flow and and you know what is healthiest for our bodies. Right. I think he's done a really good job, and the updated version is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on what you're looking for, you know? And for me, what I found was I could go out and read one of those diet books that was written by an MD in a weekend. Like, it was e- an easy read for me. I'd highlight a couple things, act like it was a textbook, sort of reference the studies, look at the studies they were referencing, mm. see if they made sense to me. But what I didn't find is that between those and, like, the Pinterest soup cleanse diet that people look up to lose 10 pounds and you know before a vacation there was nothing in the middle that trusted people with the science and gave them a little bit of light structure to eat what they wanted to eat Mm. everything i everything in that space was sort of like along the lines of um you know really like allowing people to trust their intu- intuitive eating, right? Well, for me, intuitive eating, if I have a donut, my intuitive next meal is a piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, and I yeah. know on a biological level, that's called because, emotional eating. Yeah, it's because my blood sugar is going up and crashing down and all yeah. I'm craving is more carbohydrates and starches and it's those highly palatable foods that are, they're like drugs. They're our first drugs growing up, you know? Yeah. For kids, you see it. They go to a sleepover, they come home, they're yeah. crazed. Um, and I remember feeling that way. So I wanted people to have that light science, but a little bit of structure so they understood how to balance their blood sugar, how to eat an anti-inflammatory diet, you know, how to shut down hunger hormones instead yeah. of fighting not to right. eat. Right. If it's the craving that you're failing from, yeah. stop the craving. Exactly. And there's so much, so many people out there that are just trying to white knuckle, willpower their way from meal to meal, right. or they read one of these diet books that inspires them for a minute. They take that PDF of like what they can eat and what they can't eat, or they're doing something that is unsustainable. Like the ketogenic diet I talked about in 2014 in an article for, um, uh, birdie, which is like a click media. It's like 
a website for um, beauty and health. Mm -hmm. And no one was talking about it, but it was in the research. It was coming out in the studies and I was seeing it. But it's not something that I think people can sustain until they're 90 years old. Right. It's something that you could use as a functional intervention to ditch sugar cravings, to yep. increase brain health, to burn some fat and feel good. Sure. Some kind of a reset. Yeah, but it but you have to look at it that way. And the thing is, is people jump into these things thinking that they're going to do it for the rest of their life, and then they fail, and their confidence, you know, hits the ground, and they feel bad about themselves because they can't, you know, control what's on their fork. Sure. Instead of thinking about their business and what they can give back to the world and their family and sure. all those really all the things that really make life worth living. So I tried to really answer what I saw was like a big black hole in the marketplace, which is like, how do I give you the tools to eat what you love? to understand a little bit of the science, to stay motivated, because we're motivated by information, and then really um, you know, be able to live a flexible life. Right. So that's what I tried to do. With the book or with just, book. Or, okay. And with my business yeah. and with my clients. Yeah. Like it isn't something where I, you know, I do consultations, I sit down with people, yeah. we have roles. I mean, there are people with very strict roles and they have to be in some type of like X-Men suit or whatever, yeah. and we have to get serious. But when it comes to you know finishing those deadlines, it really is about integrating it into a lifestyle so sure. that they're confident eating clean, going to dinner with yeah. friends. It needs to not be a diet, it needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be something that is not temporary, but permanent. Absolutely. And the permanence can evolve, but the permanence of taking care of yourself and eating responsibly, drinking responsibly, having the emotional attachment to food with a, with a level of understanding. That's one thing that I feel like, you know, people think of healthy eating and they think it's a punishment. I'm like, you're ridiculous. You obviously have no idea how, um, you don't realize, but I made you basically a vegan paleo uh, dinner tonight and you didn't even know it. You know, yeah. you had no idea that was gluten-free. You had no idea that was dairy-free. You had no idea, right? But so, so many people don't, don't cook for themselves or they don't know what's healthy or they just have this negative association with food and fitness like being punishments. And I just think that that emotional connection or disconnection is so detrimental to people because it's somehow not a positive well, and I think a lot of times when people, they, they have to have the payoff, you have to have the reward. And so for someone like you, who is, an, you know, you have this amazing athletic career and you're taking really good care of yourself and you're working out and you're eating clean and you're feeling good. Mm -hmm. You know what that feels like at the yeah. other end of that. Mm. I think for a lot of people, they get into something that isn't sustainable. Yeah. They think that it means deprivation. It yeah. feels like deprivation. They never get the payoff. Right. And so they're not motivated by like the outcome. Yeah. And what, I mean, I grew up playing soccer. I remember what it felt like to play a tournament the whole entire weekend, Sunday night, you know, be back at my parents' house and feel sort of like a golden retriever that went for a run. I'm like, I feel so good. I feel so relaxed. Like all those happy endorphins. I would always sleep so well. Yeah. Like that's such a good feeling. And I want people to ha to yeah. know what that feels like. Yeah. I mean, that was my goal with, um, I had a book come out at the beginning of last year um, called Pretty Intense. And it's mind, food, and body. So, but the, the 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 what I had hoped with with writing the book, and people doing the ninety day program, was that one ninety days was lo the ninety days was long enough to 
to prove to you how good you can feel. And so many people, so when I did the trial group for the, for the workout program, the, the diet was, you know, recommended as well. And there were so many people along the way, and I had, I had an open forum for it so I could talk to people about how it was going because I really wanted the information. Um, they would be four to six weeks in, and they'd be like, I had pizza and I felt so bad. I don't even want to do that anymore. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. That's the answer you want. You want people to realize that I feel I'm working out so to feel good, right? Yeah. Because I know that when I don't eat dairy and when I don't eat gluten, my energy levels are through the roof all the time. Okay. I know that when I work out, I feel more confident and I can accomplish even more things in my life. I wanted that to be what happens, which sounds similar, it's right? Like you the want total people payoff. to Yes, you want people to have it be a lifestyle. And when they pull back like that and they have that pizza, it's not that pe- you can never have a piece of pizza, but right. you, when you're constantly eating pizza Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, you don't know what a food, like that food hangover feels like, yeah, what that brain fog feels like you are, you are in that. You live it. And that's like your normal. Yeah. So elevating everyone yeah. so that they know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Then they're making those healthier choices. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. I can get this cauliflower crust pizza in, or I can make it and I can yeah. still get those Italian flavors without yeah. that you know, brain fog the next day. Slight compromise in texture. Yes. Slight Slight compromise in texture to (laughs) feel amazing. That was my biggest, that was the biggest thing for me in my like diet history was when I cut out dairy and gluten after doing a food sensitivity test. Then I, because it was everything I ate was in it and I was like, what the hell am I going to (laughs) do? But I had so much more energy. It was like, I never had I never, I never was not motivated. I was like, oh, it's three. I go work out again, I guess. You know, I was like, oh, I'll go for a walk. I'll do some Santa yoga. Doing double days. I'll, yeah, I do two days all the time. That's where it started. I actually yeah. started with, I had done IVF to freeze my eggs, and I gained like four or five pounds out mm. of nowhere in two weeks. Just hormones are injections. Yeah. yeah, horrible. And so I was like, wow, I. I guess I'm going to have to lose the weight for real. This is real fat. Yeah. Fun. Oh, fun. It didn't go back to normal like they said after a, <laughs> yeah. one cycle. Um, and so I decided to do paleo from just dairy and gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started doing some two-a-days. That's great. Yeah, and it all worked together because I had plenty of energy for the two-a-days because I was even more restricted with my diet after um, cutting out the grains and beans and all the little extra bits, cutting the corners. Um, but yeah, two days, there's energy for that too. Yeah. So what was the point that you finally, um, made the transition from, um, side hustle and, you know, basically (laughs) spending 20, 18 hours of every day working? Uh, yeah. So I started Be Well by by Kelly in September of 2012 and that was after going to school and I took it full time in September of 2015. So what happened? Like, was there like something that happened? Um, Was there a job that you got or like a client that you got? (laughs) In true Kelly fashion, uh, a gradual curve works for me. So I had told my boss at the cancer genetics job, I was like, look, she already knew that I had this side hustle. We had a really good relationship. I had like actually helped her with her food at one of our conferences. We were at it a weekend. So she looked at you and goes, girl, this is so your call. Yeah, like you have to do it. Um, and she's like, but you manage a few of our really big accounts. Like Cedar sinai here in LA was like one of these accounts where I had great relationships. Wow. I had been working with them yeah. for so long. She's like, why don't we see if we can get you a consulting gig for just the summer yeah. till September 1st or 15th or something like that. Ended up where it was just a really soft landing and I knew that they was coming. 
Um, cause when I had gone to quit, she asked me to stay on to consult for three months. But and that's still a great story because people, when you're honest about what you love, it resonates with people. They yeah. can't help but be happy for you. So yeah. she sounds like she was so happy for you, but yet, you know, you're valuable. So you got to transition easy. It doesn't have to be like a death. It doesn't have to be like, I quit today and now I have nothing. And now I start from nothing. Well, it can be, yeah. it can, it can not only be a transition, but then it can actually be like you just said, a soft landing. That's wonderful. It's it's interesting because I mentor younger um, holistic nutritionists and health coaches, and so many of them just hate the job they're in so much that they just want to they want to absolutely like quit the next day and they're going to start this big massive business. But I think the hard part with that is the beginning of any business is such a hustle and it's such a grind. Mm-hmm. And not only do you really want it, but what I didn't have to do was sort of be like a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to tell my clients, oh, well, you need to sign up for 15 sessions with me. I got to prove it at every single session. It yeah. was like, oh yeah, we'll just do one-on-one consultations. I have an hourly rate. If it yeah. works for you, if yep. it resonates for you, if you find it beneficial, we can meet again. You weren't desperate. I wasn't desperate. And that's really important too, mm-hmm. because you really have to show your worth. It can't be about the money. You can't seem you know, really, you really just need to bring value. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to do that. And it's something that I, I really always coach these young girls. And, um, I don't have a guy that I'm coaching, but all these young women, Mm -hmm. um, to really start to, to build their side hustle, to see people on the weekend. If you really want it, you have to give up your personal time to do it. Yeah. So and you should kind of be happy to do it on some level. It's so And if you're fun. not, then you're probably not, you probably didn't find your true side hustle, your right. true passion, right? Because right. you were willing. Yeah. So at the same time, what I found was ironic in reading up on you was that your husband also ditched his main job for his side hustle at the same time. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a really entrepreneurial, uh, energy going on in our house at the time. Um, I just was so excited to be honest. Yeah. Like I, like I said, um, the first half a dozen clients I worked with, I actually worked with for free for testimonials. Huh. And one of them was one of our really good friends getting ready for her wedding. Oh, I was wow. up at 5am with her. I was working out with her to keep her motivated. I was shopping with her. <laughs> I was like sending her recipes. We That's were called holding her hand. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I don't do that with clients. Now you have to want it. And yeah. we, I am here to give you the scientific information about the nutrition and that's about it. Um, but it was really like I was in it and I was so excited. And my husband, Chris, was an attorney. He was a corporate attorney for seven years. And we'd been married for like six months and he came home and wow. was like, uh, yeah, so I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I was wow. like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> what do you want to be when you what grow up? What was that conversation like? Do you, I mean, like, was there, did well, this test the relationship or was this a, was it all positive? I mean, I think if it was, I think if it was any of the other guys I had dated before my husband, I, I would have worried that they would be watching the NFL network on the couch when I was like out working. Golf all day yeah. on Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday. Exactly. Um, but Chris is super driven. He, you know, I like, I am like his, I brag about him like I'm his mom. I'm like, he was valedictorian of his high school. He had like, you know, scholarships to UCLA, got into law school, you know. He, he'd proven it to me that he's like such a hard driven worker and I wanted him to be passionate and love yeah. like what he was doing. Yeah. I'm always optimistic, always glass half full. And, um, yeah. So I was like, you can have a year paid and like I'll pay the law school loans. And, um, and that's another reason why my side hustle took a little bit longer to take full time because yeah. he actually, um, started, 
he quit being an attorney to write screenplays before I took my job full time. Um, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, you know, fast you didn't forward. Say to him, hey, uh, babe, you couldn't have uh, maybe written that screenplay while you were still working? I know. Making five ninety an hour? Yeah, maybe? yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem with that type of career is it was 14, 16 hour days. Yeah. Uh, many nights I was like, making dinner for us and then driving it to his law firm. Well, the problem with so. law is, of course, there's always more work you could be doing. Totally. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's kinda, so, you don't just go home. You're like, mm, it's just eternal. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't, his hours were not as flexible and we both yeah. recognized that. Yeah. So, um, Good yeah, life. yeah. Poor guy. He got sucked back into be old by Kelly looking at all my contracts. And um. <laughs> That's okay. That's being a supportive husband. Yeah. Using all the benefits. I'm sure you made him healthy meals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, he eats pretty well. I mean, he trolls me on the internet. His Instagram is at bebadbychris. So <laughs> <laughs> he likes he likes his fair share of pizza and beer and all that. But yeah. 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 How, um, how is your guys' relationship? Do you like to do all the same things? Um, I would say we're both pretty passionate uh, about travel and being active. He grew up surfing and playing soccer. Um, I grew up really snowboarding and playing soccer, Mm. but surfed a little and he skied a little. So we've had a lot of overlaps. We really enjoy being active together. Um, he, uh, you know, I give him a hard time. It's funny. His Instagram has gone dark. He actually eats a lot cleaner than he gives off. Like he makes himself a Fab Four smoothie every morning. And he's always asking me about the benefits of the meals we're eating. He's a really good student, but I think it keeps him motivated too. Um, but we have our fair share of like issues, like any couple, like he really got sucked into my business. Like he was copy editing my books and, um, yeah. And, in conversation with my manager and my editors and he had his own be well by kelly email and then we you know we finished the second book and finished up a couple of contracts for this year and he retired again from be well by kelly he's like we need to unravel this and keep our personal life separate from the work life because you want to keep that sexual energy and you want to come together at the end of the day and say like yeah what did you do today not like should we talk about that deal? Yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's, that's going to really like but chill you know, the energy in I mean, the bedroom. That may, brings me to a thought of balance. And, you know, my theory on balance is that it's not real, period. Like no. not, you can't in one moment be balanced. Right now you're here. Yeah. And, you know, right now he might be at work. And so clearly it's out of balance right now. So it just ebbs and flows. And so sometimes you need help. Sometimes he needs help. Sometimes you you come together in a much more, you know, um, symbiotic, you know, loving, passionate way. And other times it's like, look, I, I need you to check and make sure this is okay because, you know, I got to sign this contract and I trust you more than anyone in the world and I'm sorry. But um, how, how is that balance um, between that and, and having a son now? Yeah, you know, um, so our son Sebastian is almost 10 months old and he, we call him the gummy bear because mm. he like really doesn't have any teeth yet and he smiles and it's all, it's, he, the kid needs dentures or something. It's pretty funny, but. He'll get those teeth soon enough. Yeah. You'll know when he starts crying all the time and slobbering, right? Yeah, it's just like drool, a drool beard. Um, <laughs> teeth are coming. He's really brought a lot of energy to our lives and a lot of magic, and we are we are seeing life and slowing down. We're seeing life in a totally different light, and we have a completely different perspective on what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also really makes you efficient at your job because okay. you have to trade off the time of like, well, if I go do this, is it important enough to take away time from Sebastian? Mm-hmm. We call him Bash, Bashman. 
it, is it his time or is this really important enough for me to, yeah. or should I be prioritizing yeah. this other thing? So it makes you really good at saying no in, um, because you respect yourself and your family. Not, mm. I used to be like the, the yes woman. I went to every event. I supported everyone. I wanted to learn and grow and be there. And when you add an element of a family member to your yeah. life, you really are, you're, you can run yourself ragged and that's not health either. And so my health is and taking care of myself so I can take care of my family and then support my community is, is really my priority buckets. Yeah. So, um, and Sebastian had a hard time coming into the world. Like he was, he went to CHLA for two weeks, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, and he's hundred percent healthy kid right now. Um, but it was really scary in the beginning and we mm -hmm. had to, we, you know, really just total priority shift, but it, it's actually made being a mom super easy and changed the, my perspective there where people worry like when their kid's going to take their first steps and what milestones they're reaching. And I'm like, I have a healthy child yeah. and he's loving life. You get some perspective pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's been amazing. What is your um, personal sort of health like whether I, I, I'm curious, like what your normal day of food is, and then maybe like what your fitness is. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with food because yeah. that's my happy place. <laughs> me too. Um, that's why, like for me, I can't do intermittent fasting. I can't. <laughs> like I'm like not one of those people that wants to food prep. I'm like, no, I want to cook. Yeah. And I don't if you just have... make like a ten of these things and ten <laughs> of these things and four pounds of that, I'm like, no, I. I want to eat what I want then, and I'll make it fit the macros that feel good and the calories. Yeah, and I'm a lot like you, actually. So um, I talk about it in my book, but I created a light structure plan to help people balance their blood sugar and eat to stay tidy, and it's called the Fab Four. Okay. So I'm looking mm -hmm. for four things at every meal, protein, fat, fiber, and something green, leafy greens, herbs. I'm looking for that color. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the reason for that is like the essential amino acids from protein, you have to get that from your food. Um, protein sources, what can they be? Um, well, it depends on what you like to eat. So for me, I'm a red meat eating woman. Mm -hmm. So that can be bison, lamb, steak, it can be poultry, chicken, turkey, mm -hmm. any type of fish, shellfish. What about um, the quality of like, um, you know, vegan burgers now or protein powders or... Yeah. Know. So there's something called the biological value, which um, I'll talk about. I talk about in my next book, and it talks about what is bioavailable in your body. So, a lot of times people will say, "Oh, I'm going to get 10 grams of protein from pea protein. I'm going to get 10 grams of protein from steak." But the biological value of steak is you absorb 100% of those amino acids, and they're available to your cells. Whereas the biological value of pea protein or plant-based sources is actually somewhere averaging between like 60 and 70%. Yeah. So you would have to eat even more to get that same amount of protein in your cells. And the way that protein works is we use it, we ingest it, and we use it if we need it to make things. Um, so. Uh, it makes um, hormones and receptors and it makes cells and everything that's in a cell. And so your body's constantly breaking down cells and rebuilding them. Yeah, but if we're made of protein, you are right? You are a protein being, you're made of yeah. protein. Uh, a low protein diet is gonna make you crave sugar. It has sometimes side effects of, of feeling depressed or anxious. So you're gonna see that in a diet where protein isn't as bioavailable. Mm. And so for me, um, 
you know, I will start my day with a smoothie and I do use collagen as a form of protein because I eat animal muscle meat. Right. right. So when you think about what's in collagen, collagen contains a, a amino acid called glycine. It's a non-essential, meaning your body can make it, but your body makes like three grams of it a day. To synthesize new collagen in your body, you need about 10 grams a day. So I think mm. collagen protein in say like a smoothie or supplementing with it in some form of a drink is a great way to up your collagen intake or mm. your glycine intake to synthesize new collagen. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're eating other forms of amino acids that are easily bioavailable, like fish or steak or chicken or whatever, then that's a great way to round it out. So as a meat eater, I like collagen in my smoothie. I pretty much start my day with a smoothie. Um, I would say 90 to 95% of the time. Um, Man, I love to chew my food. And that's totally fine. Like I have clients who are like, I love your fab four, but I'm having like veggie omelet with avocado. Yeah. Or I'm having like your chia flax pudding mm -hmm. so that I can crunch and chew and and that's... Is it all the same, essentially? I mean, like, does it matter? No. I mean, is the smoothie somewhat better for some reason? No. And I, I actually created a, a smoothie formula because what I saw on the market was that majority of the smoothies are just full of sugar mm -hmm. or they're really thin and they're not stretching your stomach. So back to the Fab Four so you understand this. Yeah, yeah. Protein, through all the categories. I want to dive into each yeah, one. Yeah, so... Each one of these categories, they all work together to regulate over eight hunger hormones in your body. So it's not eight, eight hunger hormones. Eight hunger then hormones. I would say I have sixteen. Yeah, probably. Well, there are more, but there's, there, there, these are the main ones that are well, kind of. I have a hundred. Screaming at you to eat, like, <laughs> hey, it's time to eat. Let's eat something. I'm told that's my largest weakness is that I can't control my hunger. <laughs> I hate being hungry. Well, it's not fun, you know? Okay. And so that's another thing that I work with clients is like helping them understand how to actually biologically turn those hunger hormones off or regulate them. So protein does a really good okay. job of regulating close to six of those eight. Okay. Then you have fat and you have essential fatty acids, meaning you have to get your omegas like omega-3 from the food that you eat. That might be coming from salmon um, or, you know, other forms of seafood. It's also in algae. If, for my vegan and vegetarian clients, I have to... I have them supplement with an algae supplement, but I like to get everything from food when I can. The algae would be like spirulina or something. No, like it's that. actually like an algae oil. Oh, okay. so oh, it's wow. um, instead of a fish oil pill, it's an algae oil pill because mm, okay. fish eat algae, and that's what makes their got it. That's what makes long chain omega. Oh, got it. Go to the source then. Yeah. So um, exactly going to the source. So protein and fat are part of the fab four and fat does a really good job of releasing satiety hormones. So it's really that feeling of like, mm, this is yummy. I feel calm. I feel good. It also elongates your blood sugar curve and slows your digestion. And people yeah. are like, well, I want to digest my food quickly. No, you want your food to last for you so that you're not needing to eat five to six small meals a day because mm -hmm. the new research actually shows us that smaller amounts of meals, turning off your hunger and using like a little bit of a shorter eating window is better for longevity. It's better for thyroid health. It's better for digestion. So um, you're getting at that IF, aren't you? You're getting I'm not, at that. I'm not actually. Uh, intermittent fasting is interesting. I do the research is there, but what I do see with a lot of women is if they're trying not to eat until let's say 2 p.m., it backfires. Yeah. They binge eat, they end up eating everything in their cabinet between two and eight. It's already dark by eight o'clock at night, and 
our insulin sensitivity and our ability to use our calories as fuel is actually higher in the morning. It sinks to a circadian rhythm. I was just going to ask, are you more of a fan of circadian method? Yes, absolutely. And so when is it solid at 13 hours or is it more about light and dark? It's well, explain the circadian method. So yeah, circadian rhythm is the, it's the cycle that it's a cycle of like being awake and being asleep, light and dark. Mm -hmm. It's the, um, every single, uh, every single cell in your body has these little sort of like timers. They know, if, your body knows if it's daylight or it's night based on Definitely. light. Definitely. As soon as I crack and that window has a little crack of light, I'm like, oh, thank God I can get up. Yeah. Until will, then, I'm, I'm like, I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, no, but I just have to pee. Yeah. And then I go to the bathroom and I go back to bed again. And then I'm like, oh, there's the light. And I wake up to the light. Yeah, and it's so good to do that because every single time that you're going outside or you're getting that light in your mm -hmm. eyes first thing in the morning, your your circadian rhythm is sinking in your mm. body. Your your biochemical processes are sinking to that light cycle. Mm -hmm. And another way to sink circadian rhythm is with food. So mm -hmm. they're finding that like w w these triggers to sink circadian rhythm include eating. So when people aren't eating until 2 p.m. and then eating between 2 and 8 it's okay, it's okay, fine, you're getting the benefits of intermittent fasting, but is it backfiring? Are you overeating? And by the way, you're eating when it's dark at eight o'clock at night. I'd much rather, and I tell my clients, okay, you want to intermittent fast? Get up in the morning, work out, wait a few hours to eat. Don't wait too long so you binge. Maybe you have breakfast at 10 if you wake up mm -hmm. at six, or nine or 10, and then you're having dinner at like five, like my grandma. But don't try to force yourself into this intermittent fasting thing right. if it's not going to be sustainable for you. And if you have any sort of emotional eating or if, you know, or do better eating multiple meals because intermittent fasting actually backfires when people don't eat all day and then they eat a high so it works. meal. The point is, is that it will work. I mean, if it will yeah. working as in like regulating hormones, as in losing weight, uh, yeah. I mean, calorie restriction is basically the answer, right? So, I mean, if you just so That's calorie restriction is interesting. Calorie restriction has been proven to support longevity, but calorie restriction, but intermittent fasting is, can be better than calorie restriction in okay. that when you are eating in a specific window, your hunger hormones can go down versus when you're calorically restricting throughout the day, those don't actually come down. Mm. They just always are like, we just still need more food. Yeah. We're still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. So it really depends on the person. Like. I do, uh, we improve, um, you know, glucose numbers, metabolic numbers on blood tests, um, cholesterol numbers. We, I can improve uh, body composition, all of that without having to use intermittent fasting. Right, right. So but the point is, is like it can work as long as you follow through with it. But the problem is, is it's not sustainable and it's a, f a high fail rate. Yeah. I'm always looking at these, I want to call them fad diets or right. uh, as tools. Right. So I'm like, what is what is the lifestyle, the wellness lifestyle that you want? Like you want to eat healthy and you want to move your body and you want to sleep well and you want to manage stress. Those should be your pillars, okay? And then, then you can be distracted sure. by... Uh, a turmeric latte, how you're going to add matcha mm -hmm. to everything, how you're intermittent fasting now, yeah. whatever. These are all tools. Don't make them the basis of how you're taking care of yourself. Right, right. So the basis of how you're taking care of yourself is what does your body physically need? It needs right. protein. It needs yep. fat. Yep. It needs fiber. Right. And it needs phytochemicals. And that's okay. from the greens. So fiber, we're talking so about... those last two go together? Or are they... They can. Okay. So like... How do you separate them then? So fiber, it... it it's interesting, like people think about spinach 
and they're like, oh, that's a lot of fiber. Not really. It's like one to two grams. Whereas like you, you have to eat a, so much of it. A cup of broccoli, you're getting six grams of fiber, and you need close to 30 grams of fiber a day. What about like chia seeds? So chia seeds are great and that's, I separate them too because my smoothie, I'm looking for fiber sources like chia, flax. Would that fit into fat or would that fit into fiber? Chia is a fiber. So when you look at the carbohydrate content of chia, five. five. And so is the fiber. And the fiber is five. So the net carbohydrate is zero. The effect on blood sugar is nothing, but what is it doing? It's feeding your gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. It's proliferating those cells that protect you from the outside world. Would something like like let's say raspberries or something like blackberries, higher in fiber, would that fit into the fiber category? It would. It's also, it's it's not my first choice. I'm not looking for like sugar sources to be the first f- source of fiber. I like non-starchy right. vegetables, nuts right. and seeds, things that are really right. fiber rich. And then I look at like the starches, whether you're like adding sweet potato or berries or you want a tortilla with your tacos and you're picking like some cool paleo coconut flour tortilla um, as sort of like the not so fab four, but like a plus. You you can add it to your plate. This is not about deprivation. It is really about looking for the things your body needs to turn off your hunger hormones, elongate your blood sugar curve because the fab four turn those hunger hormones off, slow digestion so that your blood sugar doesn't jack up and crash down. That way you're not coming into lunch starving and making those bad choices. You're really, you're able to make a healthier choice, Mm -hmm. not because because you didn't set yourself up for failure. And then if you're adding those like fun alternatives, let's not make that the main main component of your meal because you're not really getting much out Mm -hmm. of that. Whereas like the berries, and I love berries and I put them in my in my smoothie, but um, the formula for the smoothie is the fab four. Yeah. And then if you're adding fruit, we're limiting that to a fourth to a half a cup based on like right. how right. glycemic it is. Cause I don't think people realize that like a cup of pineapple is 14 grams of sugar. Sure. And oh, that's yeah. that's actually something that can kick people who are pre-diabetic into diabetic blood sugar numbers. Wow. So what's so, your what's your smoothie? Tell me what exactly So is every your single morning I'm either having a collagen protein or uh, I actually have been using um, grass-fed beef protein lately Ooh. which has collagen as well because it has those branched chain amino acids that uh, really do a good job making you feel full and they're great mm-hmm. for muscle building. So like, you end up getting 20 to 30 grams of protein? Yeah, I'm always looking to at least have that minimum of 20 yep. grams of protein. I add about a tablespoon of fat, so that could be a fourth of an avocado if it's a whole food fat, yep. or like a table, a, you know, a heaping tablespoon of almond butter, peanut butter, coconut butter, coconut are you oil. A, are you a fan of the oils? Like, yeah, so I like a thicker smoothie, and one of the reasons for that is because that you have stretch receptors in your stomach. So if you don't have weight from the food that you're eating, which is another reason why I created the Fab Four smoothie, is because all of these smoothies were pourable. They look like almond milk. Water. I'm like, that's not going to make anyone full. Yeah. So you want to really stretch those stretch receptors, and um, the fiber and whole food fats do a better job of doing that because you think about it, it's a weight. Weight. You know? Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I've been known to make a chocolate olive oil sea salt smoothie when I felt like I was craving sweet after maybe, you know, a Super Bowl party. And then that Monday being like, okay, I want to reset. I'm going to throw a lot of greens in this, but I also want it to taste sort of sweet. Mm -hmm. How can I, how can I satisfy cravings before they hit and ease myself? Like I'm all about that gradual consistency because what we've seen in research is consistency always outpaces. It's like these fad diets and these these short pushes, which bursts of energy in a workout or bursts of like changing your life can really motivate you to clean it up and keep it clean. 
or at least elevate a little bit more like the month or two after, but I'm looking for someone to make something a lifestyle. Right. You know, that's what right. it's about. So I'll pick a protein. Um, I'll pick a most often a whole food fat, but occasionally I'll mess with like an MCT oil or something, um, a fiber. So chia and flax do a really good job when yep. I'm breastfeeding. I'll throw some flax in there. I will also throw acacia fiber in, which is um, from uh, the acacia tree yeah. and it's all soluble fiber. So soluble fiber does the best job of feeding that gut microbiome mm. and it's just fiber. It's mm. really easy. Go get that. And then, um, and then the greens is sort of like big handfuls of spinach, kale, whatever I feel like I can go really green and I might squeeze a lemon in it, or I might just throw a regular handful and it might taste like a snickerdoodle cookie or mm-hmm. a chocolate peanut butter cup. So mm-hmm. I know the formula and I teach my clients the formula. I empower them to make their own smoothies. But if, like I said, I can think of half a dozen clients who are like, don't make me drink my breakfast. Yeah. Cool. Okay, then let's critique mine. So normally okay. what I eat is, so I've gone away from red meat, but I still eat fish. Okay. Um, and it has nothing to do with flavor. I absolutely love the taste of mm-hmm. short rib. Yeah. Um, not a problem. Steak's delicious, but it's more about feeling sympathy. Mm-hmm. So um, I will have uh, one tablespoon of chia seeds, mm-hmm. and I'll put it with hot water and get it on the like in a in a in a pan on the stove. Yeah. Um, heat it up because it makes the, you know, it's like has the gelatin membrane yeah. around the chia seed that makes it plump up kind of like a tapioca. Or, exactly. You know, as you know, I'm kind of saying it so people understand what it does. Yeah. And then, um, and it turns into basically an oatmeal. So I put in about 14 adaptogens, everything okay. from uh, ashwagandha, lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, rhodiola, shilajit. I mean, the list goes on. Danica's put that just all chilling. In. I put it all in. <laughs> and then imagine if I didn't have it. <laughs> and then I do one scoop of, um, I like Vega vanilla, yeah. the Vega vanilla sport. Yeah. I've tried about a dozen different proteins and I don't do dairy. So any of the ways are out. I try and stay away from animals. So I've actually had plenty of collagen in my life and it never bothers my stomach. I do like it. Yeah. Um, and, but, but from the vegan proteins, that one is to me the least upsetting to my stomach. Some of them are kind of so, some of them make my mouth really dry. Mm-hmm. Some of them make me bloated. It yeah. just they're, they're all different. Like the brown rice protein to me is junk. Like I, don't, no. I really just don't enjoy it. My stomach blows up just like as if I had gluten. Um, so uh, so I do that, and then I put um, somewhere around, um, depending how hungry I'm, three to five ounces of, of berries or fruit. So it might be like half of an apple. It might be like um, you know again like. Actually, a small container of blueberries is six ounces. So yeah. you, and really, it, it's under twenty grams of carbohydrate. Yeah. So it's not crazy, but I'll no. put on around around fifteen grams of carbohydrate worth on top, and that's it. It's that's my breakfast. Absolutely delicious. There's not much fat in it. No. Because I found that calories the, the calories go through the roof quickly when you add fat. I used to add almond butter, put nuts on it. I mean, add chia, add flax, add it all. Hemp seeds, the more the merrier. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, all of a sudden you end up 25 grams of fat, which is times nine, which is a lot of calories because there's nine calories per gram of fat. Yeah. And so that's how I've, like, calorically restricted myself a little bit more mm-hmm. um, is just to cut out a lot of added fat. Mm-hmm. So That's the, my breakfast. So 
I like your breakfast and you're getting a little bit of fat in your chia seeds. Yeah. Um, I think when people pull back on the fat completely, they're not, they're missing out on some satiety. Yeah. Totally. And you're totally right, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you do get hungry. Like you need, it does help. Yeah. And so you're just, your blood sugar curve, you're going to go up and crash down a little bit faster. You might be hungry three hours after that meal versus like four to six hours after that meal. Yeah. But if you were a client, I would yeah. say... I really like that breakfast. I, w I like that you're adding protein powder. You're really getting that, you know, yeah. the majority of your hunger hormones calm. I like your adaptogens. Mm -hmm. um, there's a good source of fiber there. Um, I like the phytochemical content of the berries. Uh, probably I would say, you know, it. I would prioritize those just for... Um, just for those benefits, phytochemicals, yeah. the way that they work in our body, which when I say phytochemicals, I mean like lay term antioxidants, the way that they work in our body's body's always trying to get rid of them. So people think, oh, we're just going to absorb them. They're going to be good for us. But what they do is a lot of times they cause hormesis where they like come up to our cell and like beat our cell up and our cell gets stronger. It's like taking your, your cells to the gym and it creates, gen you know, uh, it turns on genetic pathways that create like anti-inflammatory enzymes in our body. So it's a good thing to like look at each meal and say like, do I have something dark and leafy and green? Do I yeah. have something like deep red mm -hmm. or purple? Yeah. Like those really, that's probably. I'll show you a picture when we're done of my salad last night. You, It's very colorful. Very I love colorful. That. I love All that. All bright. Kale, purple cabbage, you name it. Well, um, I think that you're your breakfast sounds actually really, really balanced. And it's, um, it kind of reminds me of, I have this warm chia pudding, which it's mm -hmm. sort of the same thing, but mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of flax meal and hemp, hemp hearts in there, but mm -hmm. basically the same idea. You know what else I also love? If I'm wanting, if I know that my lunch might be a little light or, I'm, or something like that, yeah. if I'm at home, it's usually a bigger meal. If I'm out, it's usually just like lettuce and a protein. Yeah. But if I'm at home, I'm like, oh, I can have really good, like more carbohydrate, oriented things that I know fit my criteria of what I like. Yeah. So anyway, so that might be the situation. And I'll put um, coconut butter, like that mana, coconut yeah. mana on it. Oh, and well, it, then like, you're getting enough fat. That, no, that you're is fine. delicious. And that is <laughs> that's like, like... That's like nature's frosting. It's so nature's <laughs> yeah. frosting. That's yes. exactly how I would describe yeah. it. I've actually thought... I've used it before in desserts. I'm like, oh, I'll just melt coconut mana and put it on the top and then like Glaze you can make it. a carrot cake with that on top it's delicious oh, i feel like my stomach's probably growling <laughs> now um so what is the process so pretend like we've got we've we've started the process so mm -hmm. pretend i'm a client okay what happens i'm coming to you and let me just make this up so my goal is to make sure that my energy levels stay really good um i i i'm i just want to lean out a little bit um, I'm not looking to make major changes. I just want to feel energy, good energy all the time. I don't want to feel hungry. I don't want to be controlled by that hunger element. Yeah. And I want to just lean out just a little bit and I'm okay to do this over the course of the next, like, you know, eight to 12 weeks. Okay. So that would be like the first part of any consultation was like, what are your goals? What's your timeline? Um, and do you have metrics? Like, is it a gene size? Is it weight? Is it measurements? 
Um, and you'd be bringing me like any old blood testing, which would be like anything in the last three to six months max. Oh, and if not, then we would it's old then. get, then we would probably get you a little, we get you an updated blood test. So then what would I, what, what is it a draw? Is it a prick? Is it um, both? Does- so we can do a draw and I work with multiple functional MDs. So a lot of times we're looking for inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein and interleukin six. We're looking for your metabolic markers like A1C and glucose and insulin. Um, we're looking at your cholesterol and then I might, you know, use a glucometer to check your blood sugar during our meeting and where you're at based on like what you were eating and how that a prick. That's a prick. And a lot of times I'll empower clients to get their own glucometer and treat themselves like a diabetic Mm, because it really starts to, you start to understand exactly how and what foods affect you differently. Like it's all going to be based on your gut microbiome. The first la- layer of digestion happens. You chew your enzymes. It goes into your stomach and your small intestines. And then though, based on your bacterial ecosystem, yeah. there is some breakdown that happens there. And the effect of your blood sugar is going to be different than the effect on mine from the same piece of pizza. So this is interesting. I listened to a TED Talk on someone that was the, like the title of the TED Talk is like, what's the perfect diet? Yeah. And I was like, that's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so I clicked on it. And the, the, basically the point was is that you react to brown rice different than I react to brown rice. You react to ice cream different than me. You react to an apple different than me. Yeah. And so... It really is about vetting it out yourself. So the fact that you would check your blood sugar to see like, okay, you know what? I just had my normal blackberries and my, you know, chia pudding in the morning, my, you know, oatmeal and my chia oats. Yeah. Um, you know, how does that affect me? Or, and, you know, today I'll do it. I'll check it, check it because I did an apple. I want to see yeah. if apple reacts to me. Yeah. Or like sweet potato. That would be super. I should try that. Yeah. And I'm, based- I hate needles, but yeah. is it the one where it clicks? Yeah. Or- it's, oh. real, it's real easy. It's real oh. quick. You don't have to do that. It depends on the client. So what we would do then is go through day in the life of you. So what I'm oh. missing from you is like, what time did you wake up? Did you work out? Because if you work out before you have that meal, you're going to have a different threshold of like what you can have based on your carbohydrates. Like your insulin, your muscles will be so insulin sensitive. If you did like a hit workout or something that, you mm. know, dumped your muscles and they're screaming at you, like, give us the carbohydrate sugar. Like give us what that. I normal do. I always eat breakfast before I work out. Okay. I, ha- I, f- I feel t- bad in the workout and I feel no difference when I do like some people can't eat before they go work out. I love it. Yeah. I have to do it. I feel no discomfort. I'm not like sick because of it. Yeah. So I usually eat. I mean, honestly, it's only like maybe an hour before I go work out, at okay. the, you know, and then, so I'll work, I'll work out around like eight. 30, nine o'clock. So I'll eat around like seven, seven thirty, mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I mean, I work out from anywhere from an hour to two hours mm-hmm. and I do everything from hit training to lifting weights, CrossFit, like I go intense. I'm mm-hmm. pretty intense yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and, um, pretty intense probably really describes me from a fitness standpoint. Yeah. Um, and, but every category really is applicable. Um, and then, so I'm done around, you know, 10, 10 or 11 o'clock every day. Okay. And then I come home and I'll have kind of what I would call, you know, lunch. Yeah. So around 1130, I try like hell to get to noon just to call it lunch, but yeah, it's all right. I, I would rather have someone shut down that hunger and eat eat when they are hungry, eat to like eat to completely shut down those hunger hormones, then do some weird like I'm waiting till lunch or I'm waiting till one and I'm gonna have this like little bite of this or by the time they get there they're yeah. so hungry that 
it's, and you already know it's going to take like 15 to 20 minutes for everything to sort of register that yep. you've eaten. Yep. So I'd rather you just shut it down when you feel it. So what does, what does lunch look like? Lunch for me, like today, today it'll be, um, I made um, some Beyond Beyond Meat burgers last night. Okay. Um, but but otherwise, it might be like a couple of shrimp. It might be like leftover salmon from the night before. I try and get somewhere around four ounces is not much, but um, I do like six. Probably makes me feel a lot better. But yeah. somewhere around four, five ounces, six ounces if I'm hungry of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, so today is a Beyond Meat burger, um, which has you know about twenty grams of protein in it. Um, like 17 grams of fat maybe mm-hmm. um and then i made a big salad so the salad has kale purple cabbage um parsley peppers apple cucumber um uh tons of tons of vegetables a little bit of watermelon seeds which mm-hmm. are really high in protein yes, and I not am. as high in fat per per ten gram gra- ten as grams of protein so le- per yeah ounce. this ba- bag was 11 grams per um per serving and like hemp seeds would have been around 14. So they're a little bit lower in fat than hemp seeds um, and good protein, um, like maybe 10 grams of protein and maybe four carbohydrate and two fiber-ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's some some watermelon seeds in it um, and that's that that's pretty much my lunch. It's pretty perfect. Okay. And yeah. there's olive oil, a little apple cider vinegar, um, a little bit of honey. Okay. I do like a little honey in my dressings um, and um, lemon. Okay, so I look at that lunch and I say, okay, you you do sort of low glycemic carbohydrates at breakfast and you do like the same sort of thing, whole food carbohydrates. Yep. It sounds like maybe like your squashes, your sweet potatoes, things like that, but you're putting apple in the salad. The only thing that's faster to break down is going to be that honey, right? Mm-hmm. But yep. you're having it with protein and you're having it with fat. It's going to slow yeah. the digestion of that. Mm-hmm. I think that that, um, based on your workout, is not a problem. Mm-hmm. It would be about if you wanted to lean out, what I'm seeing is at breakfast you're having a carbohydrate, which means blood mm-hmm. sugar. Carbs are hitting your bloodstream. Your yep. blood sugar is spiking. Insulin's being released. That's a storage hormone. Mm-hmm. That lasts in people's body anywhere between three and six hours. If someone's insulin resistant, it's not you because you work out the way you do and you can tell by your figure, but like insulin resistance, if someone has that, sometimes insulin's lasting eight hours after a meal. So it's wow. shutting down fat burning that whole period of time because you're in, your body is being told to store. Yeah. So those that spike of insulin at breakfast, you're probably clearing that through throughout your workout, then your muscles are empty. They're excited for sugar. They want to suck that carbohydrate Ooh. back in and you're having it with apple and honey. Then I would look at dinner. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to lean out and we wanted to have like the least effect and we wanted to sort of change your diet, I would make sure that dinner is a little bit earlier and maybe five or six o'clock at night and then you're done eating after that. And I would do a low carbohydrate dinner because I'd yeah. want to have a time yeah. period where you're having, where you're not having that flood of insulin and you're not having that chemical messenger right. that says like fat cells suck up fat, uh, muscles suck up sugar. Um, because when you're in that storage mode, it's, I think I always say like hormones are queen. Like I've had so many They're clients come no, to me. Hormones are a bitch, which means which is a queen. Yeah. <laughs> I've had so many clients sit down with me, and it's like the quote unquote perfect, healthy, everything you'd see, sort of a diet. And you look, and it's like they're having grain free 
whatever type of pancake or yeah. oats yeah. or yeah. fruit. But and it's then, paleo. And then, it's, yeah. <laughs> and then at lunch, it's like a big quinoa bowl. And uh-huh. at dinner, they're like doing some type of whatever, brown rice or sweet potato on the side. Or you like have someone do Whole30 and they, they started their day with fruit and they ended their day with a whole bunch of sweet potato. And I look at that and I go, okay, well, you started eating at 6 a.m. And if insulin's not clearing your system for four to six hours and at lunch you're doing it again, there's another four to six hours at dinner you're between you know five and six p.m. you're doing it again, then you're really shutting it down hormonally from when you wake mm. up until midnight, and so we really only get six hours. So how do I get you an elongated burn without totally changing your life? Right. I and, just pick oh, one of those periods of time. I know what I need to do. I'll, when I tell pull. you my dinner, you'll be like, "This is what you need to change." Okay. So my dinner is. Oh, I don't. I pretty much. I almost. I mean, like very common. Be like. I mean, the highest starch would be like a carrot. Okay. Or, well, that's not crazy. I don't even barely eat sweet potatoes at dinner. Um, it's uh, if I have any sweet potato, it'd be like at lunch. I'll do like sweet potato hash. I kind of do mm. two breakfasts, so I do like shredded. I'll do like three to four ounces of sweet potato, mm-hmm. and in the pan, it'll be nice and crunchy. I'll do like half of an avocado or a quarter of an avocado. I use Just Egg because of all of my blood tests, eggs was registered the highest off the charts of reaction. For me, is that a bad thing? No, or is it's that just, real? I should say, is that real? It's just one of the top eight food allergies. Yeah, and a lot so. of people are really surprised to find out that they have it. I don't feel allergy. bad, but it registers. Six years apart, the same te- uh, different tests, six years apart, and they both eggs Your were off the charts. Still like, no so, so I do just egg, which is like a mung bean, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I'll do spinach. So Great. if I want to lean it out from a caloric standpoint, then I just take the avocado out and mm-hmm. I just have the sweet potato, the just egg, and the spinach. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, dinner is usually just vegetables. So carrot, um, kale, um, Brussels sprouts, onion, mushrooms, peppers, um, maybe uh, spaghetti squash. Mm-hmm. That's probably like the squashy. That's probably like, I mean. I between, like white starches like that. Yeah. Like all the squashes I think are yep. a great way to like yep. pull people back from those like yep. really starch heavy And foods. then protein. But where I fail and I know this is the problem now, um, is like last night, like any night, I don't try and keep the calories low, which it's easy to do if you want a dessert to just say like, I'll just have some strawberries. Yeah. Right, so I'll have like some berries Mm -hmm. and I'll either just eat them like that or I'll put like a little bit of almond butter on the side Mm -hmm. or like last night I made this delicious little cocoa powder almond butter little bit of honey and it was not very much. It's like much. a fudge like, bite. It was. It was so delicious. And a little bit of milk to thin it out so I could make it into like more of a, you know, like pudding pudding yeah. yeah. And um, and I had some strawberries with it. That I mean it so sounds that's delicious. my sugar kick of the like the last thing I eat before I go to bed would be like some berries and sugar. Yeah. It, Damn it. It's okay because most people have grown up and there's these like social expectations of like, oh, no, having I was a by meal. myself. No, I was and by myself. We're having a dessert. <laughs> but but these are baked into us, like yeah. a sweet after a meal. Like that's pretty baked in. But I, a good example is I had a client exactly the same sort of a thing. She was shooting a movie and craft services was like bringing out desserts and she was like, just give me the fruit. And so they started bringing out plates of fruit for her and I, and the quantities were getting a little bit too big and I don't think she understood the amount of sugar that was present there. And so what we did is we actually switched her to a dark chocolate bar that used a stevia erythritol um, sweetener in it and that it didn't have that glycemic effect, but she had that like little bite of a high phytochemical dark chocolate with like a little sea salt, felt great, killed the craving and she moved on. And then maybe like, 
once a week, we'd be like, go have a blast with craft services. Enjoy those strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. But it's, but it also, you know, you, calories are important, but hormones, I think really can do a lot more for people in understanding that hormone piece, because the last thing I want, would want someone to do is like continue to lower their caloric load and always be trying to be at a caloric deficit to lose weight. Because what that, I mean, what it's doing potentially is it's making your body react. If you do it long term, like in the short term, uh, uh, like an like intermittent fasting or a bout of caloric restriction can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing it for the long term, we can have surges in you know stress hormones. And then also our body is going to respond. It's going to actually, it can start, um, it can start lowering our metabolic rate. And we're going to respond to that. And Ooh, so our body yeah, doesn't work sure. as hard and our can't have as cells much. don't work as hard because they're getting used to the new normal of mm. what you've decided is. And that's how yo-yo dieting sort of, you have to keep continuing to pull back and continuing to pull back. So tools like intermittent fasting or understanding how to like bring insulin down or, you know, uh, making sure that you're getting good sleep and you're not overdoing caffeine, things that can affect insulin, um, those all play a role in helping you hit and maintain that mm. goal. What's your guilty pleasure then? I'm oh. sure you've been asked that only a million times and I sound cliche, but I'm No, curious. no, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, it's funny because I grew up, I grew up here in Southern California where tacos and guac and chips and like margaritas and all of that was like, a, is a part of my life, you know? And my parents were not actually healthy. Like my mom, you know, I just don't think they had the information. So my mom didn't drink coffee, but she drank, she cracked a can of red Coke every morning before driving me to school, you know? So, um, yeah, education is king. It's everything. Yeah. So for me, I think it would be a tie between some sort of like snickerdoodle cookie or like fried chips and guac. Some Mexican fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like a fiesta or it's like, <laughs> I'm stealing Santa's plate of cookies. Chips, guac, tamales, yeah. margaritas. Yeah, like something along those lines just. Um, and I I like to, like you, I'm looking for ways to, to really enjoy the things I grew up having yeah. with healthier options. And yeah. I think if those, if you have those enough and they hit the spot, then you really aren't craving and needing to go get super grindy. Right. Right. I never want to be desperate. Like, I never want to have a photo shoot come up and not feel like I'm, like, four weeks away from feeling really good about it. You know what I mean? Like, if I have to do a swimsuit or something like that. I want to know that I'm, like, a few weeks away from, got it, you know? Yeah. I never want to have to be like, oh, got it, so I just stop eating today then. Yeah. Uh, that's not yeah. a good thing because we've clear, we've covered this. I can't. The last part I want to know about when you talk to clients is if you get into the emotional stuff, if you get into the more of the yeah. emotional eating, the psyche, the relation, you know, what might be going on in their relationship or in their life because, you know, that, I mean, that can be a driving force. But huge it, driving but it, force. It's a huge driving force. And I do, we do get into it because it's a part of the stress piece. It's yeah. like tell me about your life, tell me about your relationships, tell me about your relationship with food in the past and how you've used it to yeah. self, sort of like self-soothe or self-medicate. And there have been times where my suggestion to the client is not about controlling the food more. It's about like 
maybe trying therapy or maybe trying breath work or maybe trying meditation. Mm -hmm. And it is not where I'm like, hey, just go download this app. But I do make those suggestions for someone who would like to use that. I have practitioners here in LA that I refer out to if I think someone needs body work or they need to try breath work or, and sometimes, sometimes it's above my pay grade. And sometimes I have to say like, we need to work this out first because Mm -hmm. And I will only know that if I've worked with you for four to six weeks and I've seen it kind of crop up, like an emotional scar crop up and really get in your way of eating clean. It's like we got to move through that emotion. And if you're stuffing food, you're blocking that emotion from moving through you. Yeah. And and it's really painful, but we have to face it head on because... It's in the silence where we want to just eat to to satisfy that mm-hmm. hole or to mechanism. fill the vo- fill the void. And so many of us have used that. I think about like back in college when I was studying for finals, or you know, everyone was like eating to study, to stay awake, to you know, and it was like sugar based things. It's but, Adderall now, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> seriously, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard piece of the puzzle because it's so intertwined. Food is so emotional. And my goal was always to build a system or build a program that allowed people to take ownership over what they were eating, to really love what they were eating, to have the flexibility to like go to a dinner with friends and not feel like they couldn't celebrate life and allow for food to be love and emotion without it causing a trigger point for someone right, to go... Right binge because they broke their diet. Well, I feel like, you know, you operate from this place out of love, not fear. Like you have, you know, developed like the methodology to being a very positive association with it. So like, where did you get that mindset where you connected more with the positive and you have that positivity, like you're a positive person. (laughs) So are you. (laughs) I I try, I mean, but it's effort, but, um, you know, there has to be, there are sometimes there are stories or transition points or, you know, somewhere, some point in time where it clicked for you where you're like, oh man, I can't do this anymore. Did you ever have that? Or has that just been like ingrained in you? Like, was it a childhood thing or did you, do you have a story? Um, I feel like I've, I, there's a little bit of an innate, like glass half full optimism, optimistic person inside of me. Um, and what, what I started to find, uh, when I look back, I'll just get like super vulnerable. When I look back and I went to college and I had sort of always loved health and nutrition and would read these diet books and played soccer and was a captain in my soccer team and ASB, super involved, like loved my friends. Um, didn't really have a serious boyfriend until college, but I like would go to the dances and have fun and had a lot of confidence. And I would read the diet books for the science and I would maybe do them just to try them out for a couple of days. It never lasted long term, but it never made me feel bad about myself when it wouldn't work. But then uh, I dated someone who, uh, being a serial monogamous, my parents have been married for over 40 years, like uh, I was being cheated on without knowing it. He's, you know, an ath- an athlete, a good-looking guy, um, and it was the first time my confidence took a real hit. And so mm-hmm. I started to read these diet books, and sort of really, it manifested in me like needing to change my body. 
right? I must not be pretty enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, skinny enough good yeah. enough, yeah. which is the first time I ever felt that way. Yeah. And so I started to read these diet books and then I really started to do it. And then when it would fail, because ultimately like I'm a college kid eating in college cafeteria or I'm out with friends and I'm wanting to like really celebrate life and be this positive person I had always been, uh, my confidence took major hits. And I'd be like, oh, I need to, and what I felt was like, I talk about the pendulum ball and you said like balance doesn't exist. It's like this thing where people think they're gonna be perfect and their ball is gonna stop. And it's not, like it's always mm-hmm. gonna be bouncing. It's like homeostasis. It's even your blood sugar is going yeah. up and down and up and down and up and down. Always, it's, con- it's never just solid, like steady state. And that's how we are emotionally too. And so I'm thinking about this like light flow and what ended up happening was I was like doing these diets, trying to do them. And then I was swinging back to like going to Cabo on spring break with all my friends and, yep. and feeling out of control. And not to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm binge drinking, but I was where I was like eating all the chips and guac, mm-hmm. you know, and feeling worse about myself. Mm-hmm. And so what I was finding, I was like, all of these diets do are make you feel like junk about yourself and your yeah. body. And it was killing my confidence to do the regular things that I would do, like, you know, be in a, a role in my sorority or like play on my soccer team or be with my friends. And how was food affecting my confidence in this way? Like how I can control all of my life, but I can't control my food choices. I'm, I can't not eat that chocolate. I can't not. Yeah. Why, why is this so, you know, well, one, it's like human nature to eat. And it also is it's our also food. necessary. It's necessary. It's our first coping mechanism. But the more I tried to control it, the more my pendulum ball went like this. Well, because it's a polarity, right? It's so total polarity. the more you're over here on the restriction side, the more you usually fall into the, the, the binge side of things. And so if you can just stay closer to the middle, it doesn't swing so far and you feel more comfortable and control, which is what it just feels like, you know, so authentic to you that your, you know, your program revolves around this sustainability um, and ability to control those triggers. Yeah. You know, and, and it's what I needed. It's really what I needed. I needed, and so I stopped going to try to do other people's things, and I started mm-hmm. looking at these books differently. Um, you know, I got out of that bad relationship. Yep. I turned back. You know, I, I really came back to myself. What gave you the confidence? I mean, it's kind of a side question, but I, you know, a lot of the things that I that I like asking people about on the show are just certain things that they've experienced that are emotional that help mm-hmm. them transition. Like you were in this yo-yo of lacking confidence and then trying to get confidence in these other ways to, you know, impress somebody and, you know, eventually you left. And so what gave you that kind of confidence? Well, it's interesting. It's sort of would have to, we'd have to go into the layers, but, um, you know, I was raised in a family where the person that you're with, um, physically, emotionally, and sexually is the person that you marry. Mm. And so being that that relationship was my first real relationship and something I felt like this innate need to hold on to it and to make it work. And honestly, I just hit rock bottom. It was like embarrassing 
when I would find out that mm. this was happening. It's nothing that I would ever stand for for my friends. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand who I was. I didn't, I didn't feel anywhere near close to myself because if it was my friend, I would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Isn't that interesting? Get the- yeah, and like, but for loud. some reason, you're like, oh, I'm gonna like. You hide say it out in loud, this. and they're like, "What would my fr- oh, my friend would say, leave shit." Yeah, right. everyone would say leave, you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it it just got embarrassing enough, and um, and to the point where I, I was, yeah, I was done, and I needed to move on. And I, I think people just hit rock bottom and something like that. And based on, you know, I am thankful for the confidence that my parents instilled in me in a young age, and that sports instilled in me, and like my friends because I think that timeline was shorter than because of those factors. And I feel bad when people don't have a little bit of that foundation wherever they get it to be able to, to look at someone who's not treating you right and say, I'm out and I deserve better. And that sort of, you know, I just hit that breaking point and was like, you know what? I might disappoint my parents for not you know, being with this person that I was with for the first time and marrying that person. But this person isn't right for me mm-hmm. and it's not what they want for me anyways. And I'm going to own that and go back to being myself and taking care of myself first. And then we'll, I'll, you know, see who I meet. And your perception on the situation was, of course, that was who you're supposed to spend forever with. And I bet your family was probably pretty happy it was going after Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're so it's really glad that went up in smoke. Head. Yeah. Living in your own head. And that can be a problem, too, where we just live by these subconscious, you know, paradigms that have been established for us that they're really ours. They're not real. They're just in our head. Totally. And it's really owning who you are and like really getting to know yourself, not who you you were raised to be, understanding who you were raised to be or, or what expectations, you know, a lot of my parents' expectations were things that really helped me to excel in my life and really, um, rounded out who I am as a person. But there was certain, you know, I think about that with my son now. I'm like, oh gosh, like I don't want to create, I want to create expectations for him that allow him to excel, but I want him to have the freedom to create and be anyone he wants to be without, What What are the know. most important, like what are the things that you've held on to that you're like, these values are, are values that I never want to let go of. And then what are maybe a couple that you've come away with as you've grown up to go, look, I, I didn't realize how important this was. Yeah, um, I would say that my parents instilled a really strong work ethic in me. So it was never about applauding the A, it was applauding the effort. So my dad always asked us when we got our grades or when we played a game or when we were with our friends, uh, like, did we show up? Like, did you try your best? Because it wasn't, did you score the goal? Mm. Were you the best person on the team? Did you get straight A's? Because that was a rewarding, the end goal. And what he did instead, and what my parents did instead, was they rewarded the effort. And so I was never afraid to do anything different because I knew with enough effort, I would get there because I knew how to hustle. I knew how to drive. I knew how to put my head down and do the work. Mm -hmm. And so... I wasn't afraid to try something new. And I think that is so important for kids nowadays is we're applauding things that they're good at. So maybe, you know, they're good at a certain sport or they're good at a certain class. And then they end up feeling safe in that and creating a career in that Mm -hmm. without even asking themselves, do they like this? Mm -hmm. So I really loved that. I think my parents did a good job when it comes to that. I think, um, I think some of the social expectations, uh, it's sort of a catch-22 because I really do love that I wasn't so 
I wasn't really boy crazy and I really was about me, which I think our younger generation is doing a really good job of in junior high and high school now. Um, and I really hope that that continues to be something that young women really focus yeah. on is who they want to be, the career they want to build. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I really... Positivity. The positivity. Really coming out of you right now. Like, I really love... Uh, the positivity of the positivity is coming out right now. Yeah, like, I love that. Um, but there are some expectations that I think uh, will make people feel shame. And so I'd like to leave some of... Some of those expectations, those social expectations to my child, yeah. like just really allow, have an open conversation with them about what it means to be human. And Did you grow up in a religious household? Mm-hmm. Shame is such a common word with people with religion. Yeah. And it is, you know, I'm traditional Catholic. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family. So there's always this, the layer of like forgiveness. Right. And um, always being able to be forgiven. Um, but in a lot of religions, you look at like wars and expectation and shame. And, you know, there's a lot of that where I'm, you know, I'm really about the person and whatever, whatever they want for their life, whatever their truth is. And so I don't really I don't really relate to some of those expectations because I don't think people need to feel shame for being who they are mm -hmm. and having life experiences. Mm -hmm. um, what I what I do love about it is that you know when it is when it is a good place for people where it is a good place for people to like have community or to support people in their community. But I don't you know. It's a hard. It's a hard line. It's hard. It's not a hard line on this side. It's a hard line for those and those that have the line. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is that anything that anything that um, draws lines in the sand and has like rules? I mean, you know, whether there's no be, gray. Right. I mean, it's it, like black and white. Yeah. There's no gray, and there yeah. life is all gray. Yeah. It's yeah. just. It's just. It's all shades of ombre, and that's people right. need to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say. I'm ombre, whereas like yeah. generations before me were very black and white. Yeah. How do you want to raise your son? I want him, I really just want him to be happy with who he is. I want to, him to get to know himself. I want him to be excited and thankful and really grateful to live every single day. I think we are blessed in a way where he, with hustle, with drive, with effort, like he really can be whatever he wants and he's a healthy young little boy who sky's the limit and I want him to feel that be grateful for that and give back for that mm -hmm. so I'm sure you're going to do a great job <laughs> you're a very positive person very um you have a lot of really good um ideals and mindsets and goals and visions and just you know I, I think that positivity is and truth right truth truth vibrates at a very high frequency so I think you're going to raise a, a wonderful, a wonderful boy into a man. Thank you. Hopefully Thank a very you. vulnerable one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I think that, you know, the paradigm is shifting in that, in, in the world of men and women and masculine, masculinity and femininity. And, you know, I was just talking to Lewis Howes about that. He wrote the book, Mask, Mask, Mask of Masculinity. And, you know, I do think that, that paradigm shift is happening. And so, you know, uh, culture is coming around and um, it's going to be acceptable to live and speak and you know 
be in your truth, which is always the most, always the best place to be. Totally. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And also thank you so much, Trevor Hall, for the awesome music. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.